everybody and welcome back to the Marching On Together podcast. This is episode six and your Man City preview and I'm joined by Oscar Marriott from All Leeds TV. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing great, mate. I'm really looking forward to the game on Saturday. Um, obviously still buzzing from Sunday, absolutely still buzzing from Sunday, but yeah, can't wait, mate. Bielsa versus Pep, what more can you ask for? Yeah, we were just talking off air about how excited we are and that we can think it'll be one of the the most watched games in Europe, and I think that everyone's going to have their eyes on this game, aren't they? Oh, 100%, mate. I think it will be the most watched game, certainly in the Premier League this weekend. Um, certainly can't see any other game kind of eclipsing this. Um, you know, I think the massive interest is on Man City after that heavy defeat, but yeah, I think the Bielsa versus Pep factor, you know, it's the fourth game, you know, fourth time they've met. Um, it's going to be massive interest. You know, it's been eight years, I think, since they both met, so massive interest going into this one, mate. Yeah, definitely, definitely. In the end of the pod, we're going to do our full Man City preview. But before then, we've just got a few other things to talk about. So uh, let's kind of start with um, how you got into supporting Leeds. Because I know you're not from Leeds. So do you want to tell everyone how, how you became a Leeds fan? And then we'll go on to talk about all Leeds TV after. Yeah, no problem, mate. I mean, well, you have to go back uh, many, many, many years ago, to be fair. Um, probably going back about 20 years or so ago. Um, you know, sort of the early 2000s. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'm from, I am actually from near Liverpool, um, family full of Liverpool and Everton fans, and actually even a Man City fan, but it's just me and my dad who are Leeds fans at the end of the day. You know, my dad grew up on the Riviera, I grew up on the O'Leary years, you know, I think my first ever memory of Leeds United really is the Viduka 4-3 against Liverpool, you know, um, I think after that moment, and obviously the Champions League years too, it's impossible not to be a Leeds fan, you know, I don't even remember making the, the, the conscious decision to become a Leeds fan, I just was. <laughs> You know, at that point, you know, you just, there's no other club after that. You know, when you've seen, you've seen the almost the very heights of the football club, and yeah, it might have gone downhill a little bit since then. But we're, you know, on a massive high again, mate. And obviously, all these TV has kind of um, coincided with that a little bit. You know, we're a fan channel on YouTube. Um, you know, obviously, me and yourself, you know, have become really good friends from you know actually all these TV. You know, and um, yeah, you've shown fantastic support to the channel. I can only thank you enough for that. And you know. I think the big thing for this channel was Bielsa taking the job. I think it got a lot of intrigue into Leeds United and I think it massively reignited all our fires, you know, in terms of talking about Leeds United, that it wasn't just a case of the 90 minutes match. It was, it was just a genuine interest, you know, in, mm-hmm. in terms of all things Leeds because we're a properly run corporation once again. Yeah, and in terms of uh, the channel in general, what are the plans for, for the rest of the season in the future? Is it kind of more of the same that you're doing at the moment, reviewing the weekend games, previews, reviews, and a few watch-alongs as well, because I know, I know everybody yeah, loves to watch along. I guess a lot of it, to be honest, mate, depends on the COVID situation. I think, obviously, you know, when we are allowed back in the grounds, you know, obviously, in terms of doing watch-alongs of Leeds games, we might be a little bit less able to do that, um, but who knows? But, yeah, in terms of going off the idea that it's probably going to be March until fans are back in the grounds, we're probably going to go through the same again, and hopefully add more kind of content. You know, obviously we're, we're not just looking at Leeds United at the moment, we're looking at the Premier League as a whole. You know, we're looking at, um, you know, previewing all the games and um, pretty much, you know, on the, we do like a Friday night show where it's called Before the Whistle Blows and then we do like a, a review of it on Monday Night Football as well. You know, just because there's just so much to talk about. I think being in this league, you know, it really, you know, I think the Premier League before Leeds got promoted back, I, I wasn't really that interested in it, to be honest, mate. But when you go back into it, you realise you know, just how great this league is, to be fair. And, um, but yeah, in terms of the general match previews, match reviews, you know, that will never change. You know, we'll always look to do that and um, player ratings and little bits and pieces. And obviously, you know, if there's any news during the midweek, we'll obviously cover that too. 
Um, hopefully, you know, in the next couple of days, we'll have a bit more transfer news to cover t- as well, um, and potential arrivals. But who knows, mate? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty relaxed about it, really. You know, when we come up with ideas, we'll add it into the channel as such. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I've seen on social media this week, obviously, your interview with, with Leif Davis, which is really cool. How, how did that one kind of come about? Very surprising one, that, to be fair, mate. That was, um, that was a very um, surprising phone call to get. Um, yeah, I got a phone call just over a month, you know, probably just under a month ago, to be fair, probably at the start of September, um, mentioning about, um, you know, Leif, um, you know, wanting to, you know, put a video together, and um, letting Leif's, you know, management as well want to put a video together, you know, just to meet up with the fans, and, and yeah, it kind of snowballed from there, really, you know, I met him um, in a hotel in Leeds, and it was pretty surreal, you know, I think what actually happened on the interview, I wasn't expecting for one minute, I thought it would just be literally a two, three minute interview, and then yo go back out, but to be fair, a fantastic chat with Lee. Um, you know, he's, I can't speak highly enough of him. And you know, when you speak to players like that, you know, sometimes you think of a younger player, you're not 100 percent sure, um, you know, what you're going to get. Sometimes, you know, yeah. the young players have. But I have to say, you know, I was amazed he was only 20, kind of thing. You know, and I actually had to look up his age. I was thinking, there's no way he can be like. He's this many years younger than me and talk and speak, you know, as well as he does and have such a broad knowledge of the game as well. And, and to be fair, you know, everything about Leeds, you know, in terms of how he's played and the minutes he's played so far for Leeds um, and his whole general attitude, I just think is fantastic, you know, because it's, to be fair, Leaf in his career has gone through a lot, you know, and he's only 20, but he's kind of lived as almost a 26, 27 year old's career already in terms of what the step ups he's had to make in that loss. And uh, just hoping maybe. Um, again, it's tough. You know, what I spoke to Leaf about was getting game time this season, but it's hard when you've got someone like Stuart Dallas, you know, the cuts down Cafu at left back, and obviously <laughs> Gary Douglas and other options at left back. But make no mistake about it, you know, Leaf 100% believes in himself and, and will one day, you know, hopefully in the next one or two years, will find himself in that team for me. Yeah, his attitude is really good in that interview. I liked everything he said. and I urge anyone listening to this podcast, head over to, to your guys' YouTube, check that out, because it's a, a really good watch. Um, should we move on then to a little bit of news? Um, we'll start with the non-transfer news, uh, and then we'll move on to transfer news. So the only non-transfer news we had is the uh, arrival of the famous or infamous maroon kit that we've heard about all summer. Uh, that kind of dropped today with some hilarious photos of players sat in leather armchairs. Uh, it's not as bad as the preview. Um, some people don't like the camo look. I don't. I don't mind it. Uh, comes out tomorrow, apparently. Uh, tomorrow morning. What are your thoughts on it? And are you going to be buying one? Yeah, I like it. To be fair, mate. I think if in terms of buying, I've not actually bought a home away shirt yet. To my shame. Um, I'll probably if I'm going to buy one, it'll probably be the away kit, the actual main away kit first, and then. But yeah, fair, I quite like it. To be honest, I think seeing Helder in it, you know, Helder. Just looks so cool at the minute. To be fair, with, um, with the hairstyle he's gone with for this season, it's uh, yeah. I think it, I think it looks really cool. To be fair, um, I know I respect. We might look a bit like hearts at home, you know, in the in the kit. Yeah. But, and I saw Phil Hay was a big fan. No surprise. Yeah, he loved it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's all right. But I've seen much worse ones. I think if you if you're looking at really really bad third kits, I think you can look no further than kind of like the Warnock McDermott era, kind of like that beige awake. <laughs> I think that I don't yeah. think as bad as that. So anything that's not as bad as that is is always good in my book, to be honest, mate. Yeah, and I can't see us wearing it that much anyway. I think we'll just wear it the minimum amount of times in terms of whatever the contract is and 
there's not going to be many kick clashes where, where teams That's clash with our home and away. The only one I can think of off the top of my head would be maybe Everton, maybe the kind of darkish blue, maybe the might. But I don't know. Again, I yeah. can't see it being used that much, to be honest, mate. I don't think there's going to be that many kick, cap, kick clashes with um, with uh, with that with that kit, to be honest. No, I just think Everton and maybe Newcastle with the white stripes and the dark stripes yeah. might be one. But but yeah, I'm probably going to buy it tomorrow morning at 8am because Leeds seems to take most of my money, but that's just life. Um, and then in other news, obviously, we were hoping that we were going to get confirmation of uh, Mr. Mikel Cuisance signing from Bayern Munich, but we haven't got that from the club. Fabrizio Romani has said that it's a done deal. Uh, it's a five-year deal, I believe. Medical pass today is what he said. And he's pretty much always spot on with this sort of stuff. So it's not confirmed by the club yet, but we're going to kind of treat it as confirmed. Um, what were your thoughts on this signing? Because for me, this this was almost a perfect one and maybe the steal of the window. Yeah, I think this one is one you look at. I think when you look at the first three games, I think sometimes you look at Leeds in these first three games. And I think we played well in all three. But sometimes we have looked a little bit frantic um, you know, for a like a 20, 30 minute spell in each game where we've not quite got the foot on the ball and it's only really been Matej Click, who's kind of like the natural centre mid in the team and I just think with Cuisance as well he will probably play alongside Click. I just think mm-hmm. he ticks a lot of boxes in terms of control and you know, being another quality passer in the team I just think Rodrigo, Roberts as much as I like them I just think they're better you know, in the front three you know, whether they're out wide or up front I don't really like him playing deeper at I like kind of alongside Click. I want him high up the pitch, to be honest. And um, so I look at Cuisance and think he's left footed. Again, ticks another box. You know, it's kind <laughs> we, of, we've got a lot of left footed players. Like quick one two touches and that lot, you know, with when they're both playing at nice angles and that lot. And I do I do really like the signing. Um, you know, I think it's been a little bit some pieces mentioned about his attitude, but I can't read too much into that. All I've really seen about that is that he wanted to move to Bayern Munich when he was at um at um I think the club he's at before Bayern Munich. Gladback, it was. Gladback, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with me. He's got ambition. Um, I think that's what we need, an ambitious player. I mean, I've seen nothing wrong in terms of his work rate. You know, and so, again, the thing is with Cuisance, obviously I've watched bits and pieces from Bayern after the lockdown, you know, in the Champions League and that lot. And, you know, he's only kind of made little cameos. But the fact of the matter is, he was ahead in the pecking order of Javi Martinez and Toledo at times. So, you know, he's not, this isn't a bad player we're signing. This is a player we're signing with immense potential. Um, you know, and there's a, there's a fine, there's a fine standard of French midfielder around at the minute. I think they're in a really good sort of like last 20, 25 years. I think we've seen really, really good French midfielders come through. Um, yeah. So many to talk about, you know, the last 20, 25 years. And, you know, I look at Cuisance, I think he's got a lot about him that will be successful in the Premier League. You know, we talk about yeah. physicality. He's physical for me. Um, you know, he seems big, strong, um, can get about the pitch. And he ticks a lot of boxes for me, mate. Um, and obviously, he's got, a, he's got the odd goal in him too, which is always handy as well. So, I look at him and think he's probably more of a, a, bit, a little bit foreshore-like from what I've seen. Um, probably, obviously, got a little bit more quality. Um, or you'd hope so. No disrespect to Adam <laughs> Foreshore. Um, and hopefully, he's got a few more goals in him as well. And less injuries. Yeah, definitely less injuries. Um, yeah, in terms of when he played for Gladbach, um, he was basically the next big thing on the scene, wasn't he? There was a, a poll, I think 4-4-2 did, and he was in the top 10 players born in his age group in the world um, back then before he signed for Munich. And that year, his ball progression and take-on stats were top three in the Bundesliga. Uh, and if you're a centre midfielder in the Bundesliga and you're, and you're hitting top three stats for ball progression, passing-wise and take-ons for centre mid, you're not going to be a bad player. 
Uh, and I agree with you. I think him and Click in midfield together could be perfect for the way that Bielsa wants to play. Uh, I think it's just a top signing. I'm not sure we're going to talk about Man City, but I'm not sure he'll be involved regardless of the weekend. But I think going forward, he'll be a key member of the team. And unfortunately, he might keep Pablo out of the side a little bit, which is maybe the only disappointing part of this signing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I think Pablo, you know, obviously that first game against Liverpool, it's always tough to join Pablo, you know, on that first game. You know, uh, mm. it's an interesting one, isn't it, though, mate? It wouldn't surprise me if initially Cuisance is on the bench, not just after Man City, possibly even after the international break. Although the one yeah. thing I would say is that maybe it's quite good timing from a perspective that the chances are he won't go on international duty um, at the moment. Um, you know, I think France. The France under 21s, they've got a lot of options in the field. And though Cuisson's not playing, maybe he won't get selected, which would only be a good thing for us in terms of bedding him in, uh, because yeah. the next week to work with him. I agree. I can't see him being involved in Man City. Maybe on the bench, maybe because of our lack of options at the minute in that kind of position. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. You know, I think that I think the good thing is is there's another option. You know, whether it's going to be taking Pablo out of the team on a permanent basis, who knows? But for me, Pablo, even if he's not starting games, can still affect them. And Cuisance gives us that bit more control that we probably do need at this level. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the thing, you know, if we, if we catch a midfield of Phillips, Click, Cuisance, who give the likes of Costa, Bamford, Slash Rodrigo and Harrison, you know, that platform to really express themselves like they have done so far for the rest of the season, then it's only a good signing for me, mate. I know maybe... Well, no, definitely. We'd say that Fernandez is the bigger goal threat. But if Cuisance makes the whole team play better and gets the better out of everyone else around him, then for me, it would make sense. As much as I do love Pablo and as much as that has paid me just to say that, but um, that, that, that could just be the way it is this season. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think that um, he gives us a bit more energy as well. Um, which can only be a positive, especially away from home. And if we switch more to a three the famous three-three-one-three formation. Um, we don't want to use players like Dallas in midfield anymore. It gives us another option as well, alongside well, Phillips, which is, which is nice. Yeah, you know, obviously when we do play the three-three-one-three, you know, it felt like Dallas was playing kind of on the left channel of the three because it was a very narrow three-three-one-three we played on um, against Sheffield United. We almost had like no fullbacks. But obviously, we'll go on to the Sheffield United game in a second. But what that does give us in the three-three-one-three is that you've got click on the right side, Phillips in the middle. Cuisance on the left, and then maybe even say Pablo, Roberts, Rodrigo in the 10 roll. And I think that's got a really nice, really nice kind of cute balance to it. And obviously, you know, you could even say um, play click in the 10 and Dallas on the right hand side. You know, there's so many options, which is the very impressive thing about our recruitment in general. You know, you look at our team so far, and you know, we've still got Lorente, Rodrigo, who aren't even in the team yet, and obviously Cuisance to come in. So that's three new signings that we're still to really see. Um, properly yet, which is obviously very exciting. Obviously, I think it's getting the best out of the players around them. I think you saw Robin Cock. I think his performance on Sunday was absolutely different class. And I think obviously, possibly, the Rente coming in might have just worked in another way. You know, sometimes you think when the new signing comes in, it puts unnecessary pressure. But maybe it just gave Robin Cock that little kick, you know, that little bit of um, encouragement, or not encouragement, that's probably the best word for it. Um, Uh, Motivation. Yes, yeah, that's probably the best word for it. You know, just gave him that little bit more. Um, not to say he wasn't motivated for Liverpool or thingy, but you know, just <laughs> made him slimy. My place is at, at risk here. And then I think mm. maybe he's done the same to Bamford as well. You know, we've seen from Paddy Bamford some just simply incredible performances so far. And, and that's the thing, you know, you've got a completely competitive team 
you know, the team that Bielsa dreamt of. You know, I think in the first two years, you know, certainly the first season, there was one or two passengers in the team, I felt. I think they've moved on now. Even last season, there may be been one or two you can look at as well as say little passengers. But this season, yeah. I'm looking at that whole team and I'm thinking it's going to contribute at some point or another, whether it's starting or coming off the bench. So, you know, very impressive. And I think Cuisance only adds to that. You know, I think what I do like about Cuisance as well is that I know you were mentioning before about his work rate. And I really like that. You know, I think he's, he does like a tackle from what I've seen. Um, yeah, he does. And I think when you look at the Fulham game, that kind of 4-3, when it went to 4-2, I think if you had the Cuisance in the team instead of Robert Alioski trying to play in the 10 role, I think you win that game 5-2, 6-2. I think we just lost yeah. a little bit of control because Anguisa kind of was put in an advanced role. We didn't sort of have anyone to track him. And sort of Phillips was marking two players in the last sort of half an hour of that game. I think Cuisance plays that game. I just think we control that one a lot better and we see it out. And maybe you could say the same against Liverpool as well. We just lost that little bit of control when um, and Click came off of Shackleton. You know, and that's the thing. I think that the big thing with the Elders team is control in the middle. You know, when it, when we play with so many people going forward, going, you know, attacking and then obviously trying to defend in six numbers, you've got to have a bit of control in the middle to stop it becoming a basket more back. And that's what I think we've been so good at for the first this year. I think obviously a step up is massive in terms of midfield. You know, we're coming up against world-class midfielders. We risk too much every week. Um, you know, I think even the mid-table teams have world-class midfielders. You know, look at Leicester. I mean, Leicester had Madison on the bench against Man City. Wolves have got Neves and Moutinho. You've got, we're playing against world-class every single week. So having that extra body who's a bit like Click and defend like Phillips is only a boost to me, mate. Yeah, definitely. And the last thing, just to sign off on this transfer... Um, me and Oscar are both quite big Spanish football fans and the buyback clause is quite common for the, the big boys in Spain. I know a lot of Leeds fans are, are worried about Munich having a buyback clause, but trust me, normally they're a lot of money. Uh, and if a player who plays for Leeds wants to be bought by Bayern Munich in two years, he must have done something really well. So we're still going to see the benefits either way. It's not going to be like a 25, 30 million, it'll be 40 million plus knowing what these buyback clauses are like. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, in Spanish football, as you were saying, it's a very, very common thing, you know, especially with the two, the, the, the big two, you know, Barcelona yeah. and Real Madrid. I think Real Madrid, I mean, they've done so many in, over the last couple of years, but they are, they're always at least kind of like two or three times the fee. They, you know, we're always at least twice the yeah. fee thing. So I'd expect it to, and, if, and as you say, mate, that can only be looked at as a positive because if Bayern Munich wants him back, <laughs> He'll have done great things at Leeds and seriously good things at Leeds because Bayern Munich, you know, they, they've just won the treble. You know, and <laughs> place Thiago. If they yeah. want Quintons back at any point, that can only be a good good sign. And look, I think the big thing is with the buyback clauses as well is that Quintons might enjoy it in England. Who knows? You know, we might find yeah. extra investment. Bielsa might stay another two or three years. You don't, you don't know. It could be anything yeah. could happen in two or three years. And it's not that doesn't necessarily mean that the only way a buyback clause can work is if Cuisance wants to move back and there's no guarantee he would. So for me, I'm relaxed about that, mate. I'm totally relaxed about that. I think the fact we've got him on a five-year deal as well is that even if Bayern Munich don't want him and you know someone like Man City comes into play on a five-year deal for someone who's going to be 24, 25 in a couple of years' time, you know, you're going to get a massive feedback. So financially and in terms of on the pitch, it makes perfect sense. And arguably, you could say, along with Robin Cock, it's probably... Our best, you know, our best signing in terms of the, the whole logistics of the deal. I think Rodrigo on paper will be, for me, my favourite signing. But in terms, of, in terms of logistics and buyback clauses, and from a financial point of view, for the future of Leeds United, I think 
Robin Cock and um, Kuisong, you know, are the perfect ones for me. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're great ages as well, so they can really help for the future. Um, a little sign-off on the other transfers then before we move on to some rumours. Uh, are you happy with the overall business? Obviously, four first-teamers, if you include Cuisance, and then the uh, array of under-23 signings. Are you happy with, with all the signings and what we paid for them? Or I know a few fans aren't quite as happy with paying that much money for your rent just to sit on the bench, but I thought it was a good deal. Yeah, I'm, I'll be honest, mate. I think the only thing that would possibly hold me back from saying a 10 out of 10 is possibly just the goalkeeper situation. You know, you just worry that yeah. Mesley got injured, Casilla maybe having to come into the team for a sustained amount of time, and that, for me, is a worrying sight. But who knows? You know, it's only possibilities. You know, Man City, you know, Liverpool, every single club has got that same problem if their main goalkeeper gets injured. For me, it's got to be a, a nine and a half at the very least out of ten for me. You know, maybe even a ten if you get an extra winger. But for me, we've just got so many options in this team, mate. So, so many options. You know, and it just feels so good. You know, for, for me, in my lifetime, I think I'd have to go back to the Champions League days to say for a better kind of like transfer business. You know, and it, it's just absolutely immense what's done. I think the Vente, I just think it's crazy some of the complaints about the Vente. You know, yeah. signing someone here who's experienced at a top level of European football, you know, it's the top level, he's experienced, you know, it makes perfect sense to me, you know, if Robin Cock or Coops don't quite make the cut of the Premier League level, and I think they will, to be fair, but if they don't, or they get injured, Lorente just comes in, we play with a back three, Lorente comes in, Lorente might be considered better than the other two, you know, we don't know, and I just think that's an absolutely brilliant deal, I think Rodrigo will turn out to be a brilliant deal as well, I think he's a massive goal threat, I think he's a super player. Um, Cuisant again, it's exciting just talking about them, mate. I think, obviously, yeah, it's Mes- crazy, isn't it? about the ones we don't talk about too much, you know, Meslier, Costa, you know, on permanent deals, Harrison back on a season long loan, you know, those are really good deals, too. You know, I think mm-hmm. Meslier for five million, you know, that kind of gets ignored, but what, yeah, deal? and Harrison for 10 well. million, yeah, Harrison yeah, for course. 10 million at the end of the loan. I know we've had to pay an extra three or four compared to what we thought we were going to pay this year, but. He's only going to go up in price with how he's playing in the Premier League so far. We've seen his end products got better and better each game. So I think £10 million for him and £5 million for Melier, that's an incredible business from us. Oh, it's outstanding business. You know, outstanding. I think Costa as well. I think he's looking every bit a £16 million footballer. I think he's looking like the player who Wolves fans absolutely adored kind of like two or three years ago. I think he's really getting into the flow of things. Um, and yeah, superb business. I think the other thing as well is made with We've not lost anyone like Phillips or anyone like that. You know, it was yeah. a possibility. Um, you yeah, know, look, it wasn't... The minute we went up, it became less... It became like almost like a 1% chance. But, you know, it's not happened. You know, we've at least got them for another season as well. Bielsa yeah. in two. Bielsa has to be counted as part of the transfer business too. You know, we, you know the fact we kept him on, I just think it's an outstanding, outstanding window from, from, the, from everyone. And the fact we're still going, you know, we're still possibly yeah. looking at the winger. Whoever it yep. is, you know, look, I wasn't massively into the Campwell deal. Uh, I was not massively into the James deal. But what I will say is off the bench, they are fantastic options to have. You know, they're not necessarily yeah. starters at Premier League level for me. Um, James might be, but I'm not sure about Campwell. But off the bench, you know, we do bring something different. And that's what you've got to ask for. You know, you're not going to have, you know, £40 million players on the bench. You're going to have, you just need players on the bench who bring something different to the team. And that's, I think that's what we've got at the moment. Yeah, and I, I do agree with you on the goalkeeper front. We won't go into it on this one because there's no strong links for any others. But 
But I do agree with you. Uh, and in terms of rumours, yeah, I wanted to talk about Cantwell and uh, Dan James a little bit before we, before we move on. But um, I've just seen on Twitter from Nicolo Shara. Uh, he's kind of a, um, a journalist, isn't he, that, that breaks transfers. He's apparently just confirmed in the last half an hour that we've uh, done a deal with Norwich for £15 million for Todd Cantwell and personal terms have already been agreed. Obviously, that's not coming from Phil Hay or anyone, but this guy's got 110,000 followers. He just got the desk deal to Barcelona, right? He actually was part of the, the journalist that released the news that we were signing Cuisance. So what are your initial thoughts here in that apparently we've had a, an agreement with Norwich for 50 million for Todd Cantwell? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, really. I look at Cantwell and look, you know, I'm not, this wouldn't have been my first choice, but I'll be totally honest. You know, I look at Cantwell and think there's a lot about him that um, might not be too suited to, to a Bielsa team. But if he's got the work rate, if he's got the application, you know, when he allows Bielsa to educate him, then absolutely no problem. Yeah, I think you've got someone there who's a very technically gifted player. He reminds me a lot of Grealish when Grealish was kind of Cantwell's mm. age. You know, I think he's very raw. I think he has got that brilliant moment. In him, you know, I think I remember, I remember him against Man City last season at home when they beat him 3 2. He looked absolutely outstanding in that game. You know, I think Kyle Walker just could not deal with him. Um, and he had a brilliant game, but he just couldn't quite keep that up for Norwich in the Premier League. And look, yeah, we know how bad Norwich were last season. We can't <laughs> use that against him. Yeah, he was playing a pretty awful team. Um, you know, I think maybe when you do, the only thing I would say is when you look at Norwich, you look at people like Buendia and you think maybe they would have been better fit. But, look, you can appreciate the fact, you know, Campbell's come in. You know, I think off the bench, you know, he can, he could have an impact for us. Um, and maybe in a couple of years, you know, he, he could be, a, you know, I don't know, the future Pablo replacement. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, 15 million does seem quite a high figure, being totally honest. Um, yeah, 18 million euros, they said, which is about 15 million pounds, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think... It does seem a bit high, um, considering I don't think there's been much interest in Campwell from other teams from what I've read, although I might be totally wrong on that. Um, yeah. But look, it's not a complete rip-off. I think you know, he could bring something different. I think he's very technical. Um, I think he does have that technical quality that Bielsa likes, but he's got to add that work rate in as well. You know, I think for me, naturally, you look at him and for me, he's a left-sided player. Um, you know, he's very one-footed, to be fair. You know, for me, he's different to Harrison. But, yeah, we can bring him on in games. He does bring something different to the team. That's probably all you can kind of ask for. Would they have gone for James instead? Being totally honest, yes, I would. Being totally honest. But, mm-hmm. you know, Campwell, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll see how he does. You know, listen, at the end of the day, any player before the signs of the elder, the vast majority of our deals, you know, in terms of the first two years before we got promoted, they were kind of deals that we thought didn't really massively capture the imagination. One or two did. But most of them were ones that you looked at and thought, Hmm. Are they really going to improve this team? But Bielsa sees something in them. Also sees something in them. I trust. I trust both yeah. to get the very best out of them. I think Todd Campwell, no matter what, will be a far better player in a year's time than he is now. You know, no matter what, whether he plays football for us or whether he doesn't, I think he will be a far better player um, and a bigger asset than what he is right at this moment in time. So that's the thing, mate. You know, as long as he's got the attitude, then he'll do fine here. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, with Cantwell, I think they see a bit of a project in him because I'm not 100% sure on his position now. Um, but I imagine that Bielsa knows the perfect position for him, similar to Calvin Phillips when he signed him. Obviously, he was a number eight for us before, and Bielsa saw him as that number four or number six, depending on how you look at it, in that role. 
So maybe Camelot's similar to that in terms of they will sort of find the perfect position. But obviously that hasn't come from Phil, but it's supposed to be a reliable source that said that. Um, and if we do Campwell, uh, I would say that I can't see us signing Campwell and James. I think it'll be too many attacking players. I don't think that James would want to join on loan uh, if we've got Campwell as well. Would you agree with that? Or would you think that there's a chance we can fit them both in? I just can't see how that works. Personally. I I wouldn't have thought so, to be honest. I think Campwell, obviously, the, naturally, at the minute, he looks like a left winger. But he has got that kind of style that maybe he could become a number 10 for us. A bit like Jack Grealish did. You know, obviously, Grealish started as a, as a winger and kind of more became a attacking midfielder now. Um, possibly the same with Campwell. But yeah, I'd agree. I, I can't see um, Bielsa wanting kind of that extra body as well. You know, I think he, in, in terms of James, I think he, you know, very much likes to keep the squad small. I think it's probably Dips and Cuisance for me. Um, again, I'm not totally sure. Maybe a goalkeeper, but in terms of outfielders, I would have thought this would be the last one. Um, yeah. Because that, yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought he'd want that much change from last season because there's always been quite a lot of change. And um, you know, obviously some of it's been forced on us with Ben White and all that lot. Um, but, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd have thought so, mate. I, would, I wouldn't see um, either James or Leeds seeing it as a good idea at that point if we do get Campwell. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, I prefer Campwell on a permanent than I would Dan James with a loan with an option because you never know what the option's going to be. The option could be Dan James's choice or Man United's choice. It might not be ours. So we risk ourselves having to recruit again next summer. So I would probably lean towards Campwell. He's a bit of a different winger to what we've got. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. Uh, and in terms of other transfer news before we move on to the games, um, just departures, really. We've seen under-23s go out on loan. Uh, so Jordan Stevens to Swindon, Alpine McCalmont to Oldham and Bryce Hosanna to Bradford. Uh, we won't really go into any depth on them, but I think they're three good moves and I think that Bielsa doesn't like to have a, a crowded squad and they, they need minutes. So you think that that's good moves for all three of those lads? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I think the thing is, though, with some of the loan deals, is that Bielsa does have a reputation um, for when he loans a player out, that a lot of them, a large percentage, will just actually go on to sell. So I do mm-hmm. think it's not just a case of experience. I do think for some of those players, it might be a last chance. You know, not to sound too dramatic, but it might well be. You know, we see Malik. I mean, I only think back to Malik Wilt kind of two years ago when I know there was other controversy around Malik Wilt, but. Um, you know, it felt like when he came back, he was going to get a chance, you know, with the next season, but he was straight out. And um, same with Tom mm-hmm. Pierce, you know, I think I would have thought, um, you know, if they don't have a good loan spell, but to be fair, Stevens has started really well in particular. Um, you know, at Swindon, I would have thought it would probably be a last chance for one or two. Um, you know, of all the players, to be fair, you know, I think now that we're in the Premier League, I think it is, it is kind of like crunch time for one or two of them. A couple of them are folks in the early 20s. Um, so you would say that maybe you know some of them won't be at least players next year. Well, yeah, I think it's a massive opportunity for all of them to get minutes, not just you know even if they're not going to be lead players in the future for their own careers in general. You know, I think they need minutes. I think especially people like um, Stevens. You know, I think Stevens he played a couple of minutes last season, kind of around Christmas time, and obviously the FA Cup against Arsenal, and a couple of games in the new year. But um, he just seems like a very raw kind of talent. Um, me and Joe have spoken about um, you know John Stevens before, and for me, I still want to see him after a run of games. You know, I think what we saw again from that Swindon goal he scored for the weekend, very Bielsa-like, wasn't it? You know, he's pressing high up, yeah. the pitch. you know, he's making that little run in behind, and and he gets the goal, he finishes it well, and and he, he looks good. You know, he looked like he was playing the right wing. Um, 
you know, off the swing at the weekend. And yeah, you know, for me, he would be the one. And Alfie McCalmont as well. Look, McCalmont, you know, has been discussed as the possible, you know, heir to and to Phillips' throne. You know, if, if one day Phillips isn't a league player anymore, let's hope that doesn't happen, but it could happen. Um, yeah. McCalmont is certainly showing in the games he has played. Um, I think it was Salford and Stoke last season. He looked good. You know, he looked good. Okay, that is just a cup game. It's a one-off game. Um, you know, he wants to see him after a run of games, you know, in terms of his fitness levels, you know, in terms of any kind of like muscle injuries or anything like that, you know, that he can play a run of games, you know, because it's very different, you know, at this kind of level. Um, and yeah, look, I think it's good for all three players and any players who might move out before the end of the window if they do get any moves. I think Bogus is another one to look at and think, I would like him to possibly get a move out on loan because I do think Bogus is the one, really, for me. I think he is the one. I look at and think, wow, you know, he could be a real yeah. top, top player in this team. The possible future um, Mateus click, um, yeah. you know, if he can find that work rate and just get the minutes. And, that, and that's the thing. I think it, you can never really tell the player until they have played a consistent amount of minutes because anyone can look good. You know, when, whenever, when everyone else on the pitch has played 30 or 40 games and you're playing your first one and so totally fresh, you're naturally going to look better. And it can work mm-hmm. your way as well. You might not be match fit. So it's always difficult to tell, both in a good way and a bad way. So, you know, I think after these loans, we'll have a much better idea on all three players. Yeah, I agree. And then we've also heard rumours of uh, first-team departures, uh, up to five players, which I'm not sure what those five would be. Are there any first-teamers that you want to see move on? Obviously, personally, uh, for off-field reasons, I would prefer if Kiko wasn't at the club. Uh, Allegedly, the Spanish team's interested, so we've heard. Um, whether that's just uh, fake internet rumours or not, we're not sure. But in terms of that, I'm not, I'm not, who else do you think we could see leave? Would it just be the, the likes of Barry Douglas and people on loan like maybe Gotts and Shaq? Or do you think someone like Tyler Roberts or Leif Davis could get a championship move? Yeah, I mean, after, after, after only echo your thoughts on Peter Garcia, I think he just, for him, for the club, for everyone, I think he needs to move on. I think, I think he, he can't recover from what's happened at Leeds. Too much has happened. Um, and yeah, I think that one's got a you know one that we've got to sort out. And I think Douglas is one you look at and say that's you know one maybe you could look at. I think obviously Celtic have been linked. But I think the thing is with Douglas, I think the elders' words on him kind of before the Sheffield United game were that he's going to be very important this season, and he might be someone the elder looks on from the bench. You know, I think obviously Dallas is the youngest future first choice left back, but. To be fair to Douglas, he does bring a very different element to the team than Dallas. I think he's obviously got that little bit more technical quality. I think he is good on the ball. I think when you're trying to play through a high press, you know, I think Douglas does it more naturally. I think you saw from that Blackburn game towards the end of the season and a couple of games you know, after we sealed you know, the title and that lot, he looks really good. I don't think he is Dallas's level, to be honest, but he does bring something different to the team. You know, I think he's more of a natural attacker. Um, you know, being a left footer or left back. Um, I do actually personally prefer him at left back to Alioski. Um, you know, I do like Alioski, but I don't really see him as an out and out left back in the back four. I see him as a left back when we're playing a three at the back and, he, and we want a left wing back. That's where I see Alioski. I don't really see him as a back four left back. I do see Douglas as more of a natural, natural left four, um, sorry, left back in the back four. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, really. I think it depends on kind of the fees offered. Um, yeah, I think a lot of that will be down to fixture order. Um, I don't think, I wouldn't have thought the elves will be sort of looking to actively get anyone gone, if that makes sense. Um, I think obviously Gotts and Shaq, you know, Quisson's coming in. You know, I think certainly for Shaq, you look at that and think, OK, maybe he needs a low move now, um, possibly. 
Um, but let's not forget, you know, if we had any injuries in the first three games, Shackleton probably would have been one of the first people to look at, you know, because he is that kind of like natural um, central player for us, and obviously he can play right back as well. Um, yeah. Gotts, I think, is probably further down the pecking order than Shackleton. So I think Gotts would probably, out of all of the ones you mentioned there, probably be the most obvious. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler, though, look, I've got to touch on Tyler. You know, I've got to touch on Tyler. You know, I've said, you I, love I, Tyler Roberts. I have picked up Tyler a lot. We all know that. Um, but I still stand by it. But I have to say at the minute, I'm his biggest critic when he plays badly. Don't get me wrong. When he plays badly, I'm his biggest critic. Critic because he's really frustrated me. You know, the first three games. I'm not going to lie. He has really frustrated me. I think he's. I don't know. He's just not quite reading the games very well. He's not really feeling the games. You know, getting on the ball at all. Really, he's losing it a lot. Um, so I just think I don't know. Really, I, I look at Tyler and it, it could go one or two ways. I think a lot of it depends on can he stay injury free. Um, yep. you know, let me just pick himself up again because let's not forget, you know, I think it's kind of we saw it a few times after lockdown. You know, there's a couple of bad games, a couple of really good games to be fair as well. But for me, Tyler, to be fair, I look at him more and more and think he's a striker or a winger. I don't think he's a central player, I don't think that's what he wants anymore. I think he wants to be a goal scorer, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think he wants to be involved in the final chance, I don't think he wants to be someone. He plays like Spitzels and, you know, tracks back and pushes forward and does all the boring stuff in the, in the middle of the park. I think he wants to be a creative player in this team. I think he wants to play out wide. I think he wants to play centre forward. He looks a little bit like a frustrated striker playing deep now, you know, when he plays uh, in that yeah. role. Because, you know, I think certainly you look at his performance compared to Rodrigo's and it's totally different. But look, yeah, let's not forget, you know, we're only a couple of games into the new season. You know, Tyler has had some superb games in there. But, for me, I do think he's a striker, to be honest. Whether he gets chances for a striker in this team, the Bamford, Rodrigo, who knows? But no, I really wouldn't let him go. I really wouldn't let him go. Because the thing is, how much you value Tyler Roberts? You know, you could say from one point of view, he's worth, you know, upwards of 10 million because of his potential, because he's a Wales international, because he played, you know, a big part in the Leeds team after lockdown. And then another point of view said, He's got a massive injury record. So for me, now would be the wrong time. Maybe, as I said to Joe last week, maybe the time to review it is in January. You know, we've had kind of like half a season at it. You know, we see if teams are still interested. We see what Tyler's thoughts are as well. Because let's not forget, you know, Tyler Robinson's got his own career to think about now. You know, he's not, I'm not saying he's getting old, but, you know, he, he is kind of like beyond, he's 21 now kind of thing. And you know 21 is still very, very young for a footballer. But, in terms of someone yeah. with his potential, he needs game time. You know, he needs to make sure he's playing minutes. And for me, so far, he has got minutes. But with Cuisson's coming in, Rodrigo starting to kind of really gel into this team, you could say his minutes are going to decline unless he can himself pick himself up. Because, yeah, we know with Bielsa, he's got to make get himself ready. You know, Robert's got to get himself ready. You can't rely on Bielsa to give him chances. He's got to prove he needs chances. And for me, yeah, look, I really do like Tyler. Um, I only criticise him because I know he's got so much potential. I, I really want to fulfil that potential because I think he can. Um, you know, I, I really do think he can. You know, I think that performance against QPR and a couple of games last season where you, I just thought, wow, what a player this is. What a player this is. You know, he can do so much with the ball. I think obviously pull away last season. You know, we've seen what he can do as a striker as well. He can play so many different positions. And I think the big thing as well, Liam, to be honest, is he needs to work out for himself what his favourite position is. Because it's all right me saying he's a winger, he's a central mm. player, he's a striker, 
you know, only Charlie Roberts and Marcel Bielsa know where his best position is, where he feels most comfortable and where he wants to see himself playing. And that's what I think he has to work out. I think a lot of players have a similar problem, you know, where they're so versatile for their own good to an extent where they don't know where their best position is. And it kind of stops them from progressing any further than being a seven, eight out of ten player. It doesn't let them become nine, ten out of ten players regularly. You know, they need to find their best position. And for me, Tyler is that kind of player. He just needs to find that best position now. But anyone else to leave? I don't know. For me, he's only really be got out of who we mentioned there. Um, or maybe Douglas, if a big fee comes in, or if Douglas himself wants to leave. Yeah, I just think I see Douglas and Casillo as the only true first-teamers that would leave on a sale. Maybe you could see Shaq or Roberts on a short-term loan, because uh, then they'd be back, obviously, for the next window in case we have injuries and stuff. But we'll have to see. There's four days left of the window, I think, now. So we'll see what happens. Um, but let's move on to the football, then. Let's move on to uh, Shepherd United Review first. So, team selection, obviously, Sheffield United played two up top, as they always do. So, we kind of went with that 3-2-1-3 formation. Um, Dallas, obviously, coming more central. And then second half, he did end up moving more to the left-hand side when we had the ball, which kind of suited us a little bit more. Uh, and we just spoke about Tyler there. But, obviously, Rodrigo came on at half-time, made the difference for me. Uh, how did you see the game? Obviously, it was a tight affair, but uh, I think we were good for the win in the end. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think, obviously, first half, it was pretty even. You know, I can't have any complaints going in level at half-time. You know, I think obviously that Meslier save was truly world-class. But, yeah, I'd agree on Rodrigo. I think Rodrigo probably had his best game for Leeds so far. You know, I think we really saw the true quality of Rodrigo. You know, some lovely little turns and flicks and, you know, getting the odd shot off. You know, I think that one that knocked out, well, pretty much knocked out Empardo, um, I think that was headed for the top corner. You know, when you saw the track, the flight of the ball, yeah. you, blindly, you know, that was troubling the keeper that. So he has got that quality about him. He can get the ball out of his feet quickly. And look, he does it for the, for the first goal. You know, it's absolutely outstanding for Rodrigo. You know, I think obviously Harrison's cross, Bamford's header will be what gets the headlines, you know, what the stats will show. But for me, Rodrigo played probably the biggest part in the goal. You know, that lovely little turning flick. And just having that, it just, I just saw from Rodrigo that hunger, you know, to get close to Bamford, to get close to Click and just, you know, read the game well. And I think he, he looks better. You know, I do still think Rodrigo, is better as an out-and-out nine or playing on the right of the front three. Um, and I will get on to that when we talk about Man City, about where we would play Rodrigo and, you know, going into that game. Well, yeah, I, I was massively impressed by him. Um, you know, I think obviously Paveda came on. Um, look, Paveda was a little bit frustrating from time to time. You know, made the odd long decision, but he was lively. You know, the thing is, he's coming on in the Yorkshire derby at nil-nil and he wants to change the game. He doesn't want to just be a number. He doesn't want to just come on to see the game out nil-nil. He wants to come out on the, onto that pitch and make a difference in the game. And that's massively impressive. You know, I do really, really like Tavada. Um But yeah, the game as a whole, I think second half, we took control. You know, I think we did take, take control. You know, I think Sheffield United had that chance very late on with Jack Robinson off, off the corner. Um, yeah. For me, that's it. You know, I can't really think of anything else from Sheffield United off the top of my head. I think Robin, yeah. Robin Cock was absolutely outstanding against all four Sheffield United strikers. You know, he tried yeah, he was. his style of striker to try and get the best um, you know, out against that back two you know, of Coops and, um, and Robin Cox was back three, actually, of Luke Hayne, that's um, right centre-back. And we just looked so natural you know, on, the, on the day. You know, I think we, Dallas, for me, had his, probably his best game in the field. Click was outstanding as ever. For me, our best player so far this season. Um, Phillips probably had his best game. And, and it all came together. You know, it all came together and 
you know, I think we got a fully, fully deserved win. Yeah, I think if we hadn't won that game after the amount of saves Ramsdale made, yeah, I think obviously we talk about Meslier, but in terms of save quantity, I think Ramsdale must have made seven or eight saves in the game. Some absolutely yeah. world-class ones as well, to be fair. And yeah, you know, obviously he had that Dallas chance as well when he went, went round Ramsdale. It'd have been gutted not to win that for me. You know, I think maybe on another day we don't win the game, but we deserved it, to be honest, mate. We deserved the game. And it's a massive, you know, to have six points after three games. You know, you can't ask for much more than that. And it could have so easily, so easily been seven as well. Yeah, I think six six out of nine is is a perfect start. Any Leeds fan would have took that when you'd have, if you'd have asked a month ago. But it probably should have been seven, like you said, if it wasn't for a stupid tackle at the end of the the Liverpool game. Put another result, but I agree with you. I think Dallas's best game in in that new that formation that you don't play as much in the Championship because a lot of teams come to Ellen Road and kind of put one up top and camped back. So we didn't play it as much as much as maybe Bielsa would want to, but. Obviously, I think Dallas had his best game, like you said, in midfield. And I also think Harrison was immense on that left side. Yeah. Don't you think his delivery has just improved? Not week on week, because that's a bit bit dramatic, but month on month and obviously season on season. I think his end product now is perfect. Yeah, no, I'd agree. You know, I think Harrison started the season really, really well. Um, for me, you know, there's at least two or three as quality deliveries from that left-hand side, as well as the mm-hmm. goal. You know, I think there was one in the first half where um, Bamford hit the top of the kind of netting with his header. Yeah. Quality delivery, that. You know, quality delivery. And it's the speed of his delivery as well. He just gets the ball into his feet. Nice little bit of skill. And, the, and, it's, and it's the consistency, the consistency of his delivery. You know, there's no poor balls into the box. Even the set pieces, I think, have improved massively. And Harrison's just got this season really well for me. I know against Fulham, he was a little bit quiet. But it's the fact that we were so surprised Harrison was quiet against Fulham. I was stunned Harrison had a quiet yeah. game against Fulham. And then, that shows the standards he's laid of himself. You know, I think he is an example for any winger in this team. You know, for me, Costa has just looked at Harrison first season to second season, and he took the same kind of development path. You know, I think we've got two super wingers. I think it's so exciting to watch this, mate. It's so exciting. You know, we've got two wingers who can take on people at pace. We've got transitional threat. We've got outlets. We've got people with technical quality on the pitch. Sweetons is coming in. It's just so exciting at the minute to watch this team play. I think. In terms of the results, obviously, this season, we're, we're probably going to lose more games. That, well, we will lose more games than we did last season. We'll win less games than we did last season. But in terms of on the pitch and entertainment and building foundations, it could be an absolutely outstanding season in terms of entertainment. And that's kind of all you can ask for from the first season in the Prem. And for me, putting a performance like that at Sheffield United, such a disciplined, creative and just a streetwise performance to an extent, you know, we, we didn't get bullied by Sheffield United. You don't see many teams go to Bremel Lane and deal so well with the set-piece threat, so well with the full-back, the wing-backs, you know, Bulldog and, um, and Stevens. It was such a disciplined performance. It was like a team... You know, I saw Wolves go to Bremel Lane kind of like two weeks before, and it was a very similar level of performance. You know, I think, yeah. if anything, you could say Sheffield United created more chances in that game than they did against us. So it's got to be great credit to us. We showed ourselves... We looked like a team that had been in the, in the Prem for three or four seasons, you know, to be honest. I think against Liverpool, the same kind of thing. I think obviously against Fulham, we showed a little bit of an experience in terms of how we saw the game out. But we're learning. We're learning all the time. And you see that individually. Rodrigo's best game. Pop's best game. Phillips' best game. You know, a lot of the players have their best games on Saturday, on Sunday. And that can only be encouragement now for the next, next 35. Yeah, and in terms of Robin Cock, I completely agree. I was impressed. He, he was up there for man of the match for me. Um, 
And in terms of Premier League stats, I believe he's third now for aerial duels and fourth for interceptions across the whole league. Uh, and he's played three games ever in England, played three games ever in a Bielsa system. So I think that uh, he's looking like a much better signing than people were, were, were thinking he would be after he gave away, obviously, two penalties in, in his first two games. But I think that was just Leeds fans kind of going into a, into a panic mode. But in terms of man of the match for that game, did you did you agree that it was Ian um, uh, Melier or did you think that um, Matea Click was, was your man of the match? Because I know me and you, me and you absolutely love Matea Click. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, you know, I think obviously Mateus Click has been probably Premier League, well, one of the Premier League players of the month so far. I think it's been three outstanding games from him. But for me, I actually, I actually went with Robin Cock for this game. You know, I actually thought oh, Robin cool. Cock, I think obviously Messier, um, you've got to give great credit for the saves. The two saves are outstanding. But for me, in terms of all-round performance, in terms of the quality on the ball, the fact is, I think he made seven long passes, completed seven long passes in that game against Sheffield United against a compact low block you know, he's got not got a lot of sort of space to play the ball into. Outstanding aerial duels. He won six, I think. Obviously, you've said before, he's, he's amongst the top in terms of that kind of stat. And yeah, I think he's improving by the game. You know, I think obviously against Liverpool, those first 20 minutes were very worrying. No doubt about that. Even though it was against Liverpool, it was still very worrying. Um, but I think, yeah. look, I know he's given away two penalties, but you're not telling me in those first two games he was terrible. I, I did not see a terrible defender in there. I saw someone who was clearly young and learning the game, but there's huge potential in Robin Cox. You know, even, look, I think against Sheffield United, he put it all together and kept it right in 90 minutes. Well, against Liverpool and Fulham, you saw a lot of the bones of a very, very good centre-back there for me. And, yeah, I'd have to go Robin Cox, but obviously Iba Messier, massive shout for him. Phillips, as you said, Phillips, Dallas, Bamford, Harrison... Yeah, pretty much that whole kind of like front six, I think I could make a strong case for. Yeah, definitely. It was a, a very encouraging performance against a team that has given us trouble in the past. So that was nice to see. Um, and then obviously that was last weekend. And then this weekend, the fixtures don't get any easier. Um, we get maybe the best team in the league, unless you're a Liverpool fan, for the now you look at it. Uh, if not the second best team in the league, uh, Man City at home. Uh, like we said earlier, it's a 5.30 kickoff on Sky. Uh, Man City are actually playing tonight, mate, as well. And I don't know if you've seen this, but they put out a very strong team. They've got Walker, Fernandinho, Laporte, Mendy, Rodri, Torres, um, Kevin De Bruyne, Sterling and Mares all playing on a Wednesday before they play Leeds on the Saturday. So I think that can only benefit us if there's a bit of fatigue in those legs. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think there's two ways you can look at that. I think, obviously, looking at it from a positive point of view, as you said, fatigue might step in. You know, we've not played now. Well, we won't have played for six days. Man City have obviously played later than us on Sunday. Another game today. Could even go to penalties. Who knows? Um, yeah, no, that's encouraging because that won't be too far for me of the team they go with. Um, obviously, we've seen Man City have made that sign of Ruben Diaz. Um, yeah, that's annoying. He's a great player. <laughs> I don't know. Will he play? Will he come in? Will Will Pep get desperate and say, you know what, I've got to throw you in now um, for a game like this? I think obviously Diaz mm. is a bit of a leader um, from what I ascertain from him. Again, I've not yeah. seen I don't know if you've seen a lot of him, mate. Um, yeah, he, I, I, I really like Diaz. He was the one I wanted. I, I, I kind of said that they should get all along. Uh, I think he's a better player than Koulibaly. Um, like you said, he's a leader. He's very, very good in the air, which you don't kind of get from people that have played in Portugal and Spain as much. Uh, so I think he'll suit the whole Burnley away, Sheffield United away games a bit better. Um, but I'm not sure. I agree with you. I'm not sure if he's going to start. I think he's either going to go Ake and Laporte or he'll go Laporte and... Diaz, 
Um, it kind of depends how confident he is that he can that he can play in the system and play against the Bielsa team that has obviously a real in-depth attacking kind of style. Um, be interesting to see. Uh, I kind of wish they'd signed him after so we could, <laughs> two would yeah, have played. Yeah. But. Yeah. well, I mean, you look at that Man City defense, and if they played Ake and Laporte together at the back, as good as I think Laporte is, that's two left-footed centre backs, and that never looked right to me as a as a combination. You know, I think it's very easy to press. And you've got two left-footed centre-backs, I think. And you've got so many... It's so easy to get him in tight angles and where they can't turn very well. I think it's always more difficult for a left-footer to play out the back when kind of the angles are against him. Um, and, yeah, no, that will be interesting from that point of view. Um, you know, you don't know whether they might even throw in Garcia again. I can't see it after his nightmare against Leicester. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, who they go with left-back. But... Yeah, I have to agree with you on Man City. I think, obviously, Man City, it's two ways of looking at it. Whether they are going to be fatigued or whether they're going to put in a team today that's going to gel well. And then, obviously, before confidence going into the Leeds game, you know, it's two ways of looking at it, I guess. I guess it depends on the yeah. But I think when you talk about Mares, De Bruyne, Sterling, that three, and whether Jesus is going to be back for... Um, obviously, Aguero's out, but whether Jesus is back, you're looking at a truly, truly world-class front four. Um, well, yeah, I think the other thing to take with Man City is, um, which we're going to talk about a lot in the preview, is what shape will they go with? Because, again... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Balls. They went for 4-2-3-1, and, you know, I think, obviously, Pep, you know, has become very renowned for the 4-3-3, um, you know, the single pivot. Whether you'll look at Leeds and think, OK, I'm going to go 4-3-3 and bring in Foden um, into a central position, I don't know. Um I think either way, whichever the system they go with, I think it's going to be problematic um, for us in certain aspects. Um, but yeah, no, I think obviously Man City, I think what we've got to do is we've got to look at what we did in the Liverpool game. You know, if we manage the game similar to that, we'll give ourselves the best possible chance. Because let's be honest, against Man City, you can have all the tactics in the world. If Mare, Sterling, De Bruyne find space and they're honest, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle no matter what. You know, it's, yeah. it's nothing any manager can do about it. You know, look, last season, they beat Liverpool 4-0. You know, just, I know, albeit Liverpool were pretty much pissed up in that loss. Um, but <laughs> yeah, they were. The thing is, they, they still absolutely hammered Liverpool. They still hammered, they still scored, I think, over 100 goals last season and they finished 18 points off Liverpool. They've still got a massive, massive goal threat in that team. You know, against yeah. Leicester, they could have won that 6-5 on another day. You know, <laughs> they had chances to, to actually, you know, not just draw the game, win the game. They, they, they seriously did create a lot in the game. And But yeah, look, I think I think the only thing that does annoy me a bit about this game is it's not with a full Ellen, Ellen Road crowd. Because I do think Man City, over the last year or so, have shown themselves to be quite weak in terms of mentality. Um, yeah, I think they, they do struggle um, from time to time. And I think in the packed out Ellen Road, it would have been quite difficult for them. Obviously, I think it does work in their favour massively. It's been yeah, played, agree. you know, behind closed doors. I think it, I do think it will play a part in a lot of games this season, to be honest. But yeah, from that point of view, look, yeah, I think it could be difficult for them. Uh, it's hard to know because you just don't know what you're going to get from Man City. You know, we've seen so many times where you expect Man City to start to falter and then they pop out with a 6 0 win out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And then from the other point of view, you expect them to absolutely hammer a team and they get beat 1 0. They miss chance after chance after chance. They may a mistake and get caught in transition because that Man City defense against any team that can counter-attack and we can definitely counter-attack with Harrison and Costa well obviously Harrison's not going to be playing but for me 
I'd like Rodrigo come in out wide. Um, I would like to see that. Um, I'm not sure if many would agree with that, but I would like to see Rodrigo as part of kind of like the front three as such. Um, so if so, if we do that then, in terms of that's my next question, in terms of team selection, uh, they obviously always play one up front. They might even not play anyone up front. They could go with a false nine. But we're probably going to go back to our four-one-four-one formation. Um, so in terms of lineup, obviously it would be the standard lineup. But what what do you think we should do? Should like you said, should we go Rodrigo on the left? Uh, and then Costa on the right, or do you put Rodrigo on the right, which he's played before for Valencia, and then Costa on the left, and then do you go with Tyler Roberts in midfield, um, or do you think we could go Llorente, two CDMs? What do you think with the? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's a really interesting one. Um, I would be tempted, to be honest, to go Llorente and Poch. I'd, I'd actually push up higher up the pitch because he's got experience of playing CDM. I don't think it will happen, but I would go Cox alongside um, Phillips. I would play um, Rodrigo from the right, Costa from the left. I just think that's a massive goal threat in that front three. I think yeah. it's a massive transitional threat as well, with Rodrigo and Costa's pace especially. I think that's how you hurt Man City. You keep it compact in midfield. You know, you've got um, Cox and Phillips in there, you know, stopping you know, 50-50, you know, making sure Man City don't have a lot of space to play into. You know, Click, obviously, maybe playing just in front. Or alongside, you know, and I think that works. You know, I think that does work. Um, you know, I think you could even throw Dallas into the equation and say if you play Dallas in midfield, try and bring that energy, that leg, and maybe Alioski or Douglas left back, and maybe that's a bit of a risk against Riyad Mahrez. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on how Man City set up because we've seen from those first two games, Phil Foden played kind of like out out wide, but it's come kind of yeah. set up to bring like. Kind of form a form on the field, beat teams that way. You know, try and out 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 outnumber them in, in midfield. You know, because that's the key part of a, of a pep team. You know, controlling the game midfield, possession, and just being able to move the ball around. You know, nice and quickly. And you know, and that's the thing. I think obviously, I, I'm not sure if they do that against Leeds. To be honest, I think they do probably go a bit more traditional wingers. Maybe Torres might even start the game from the left. Maris from the right. Sterling false nine. De Bruyne in the mm-hmm. ten. Um, but yeah, either way, I would like it to be as compact as possible in the middle of the park, so we're not allowing Man City to control things in that in that area. Um, and obviously, but De Bruyne, turns them products is a massive threat. De Bruyne, for me, is one of the most decisive players in the world when it comes to that final final kind of like third. You know, in terms of creativity, scoring goals, he's just such a massive threat. He can produce a moment out of nothing. But what I will say about De Bruyne. Um, you know, is sometimes sometimes you can see from De Bruyne that he gets frustrated. You know, he gives the ball away in key positions. You know, albeit yes, I know that's part of being a creative player, but sometimes he does force play a little bit too much, and some, and it could present counterplay opportunities for us. Yeah, I think obviously, I, I think you know, you look at Leon, look at Leicester. They are two massive templates to be in Man City. And to be fair, from both games. You saw them both go over back five. Yelza would never go over back five. He might go over back three, but he wouldn't go over back five. But it's showing it can work. You know, when you go more defensive and have that transitional threat, you can beat Man City. Um, you need a bit of luck as well. You need him to miss some. Yeah, that. you do need <laughs> some luck. Um, yeah, against that, that Leon game, I can't believe some of the chances. Um, against Leicester, they missed some huge chances at one-one. But that's all you can do. You know, you do need luck to beat Man City at the end of the day. No matter how good you are, you need luck to beat Man City. And as long as we do that, you know, 
and I would possibly bring Lorente in, not just for for experience matters as well. You know, Lorente has played against world class players, world class teams. You know, the last time I saw Lorente, he played against Antoine Griezmann and just man marked him out of the game at the Camp Nou. Completely man marked him out of the game. And it's a big game in Barcelona's title race. You know, and ultimately yeah. Barcelona obviously didn't win the title. So it works from, from that point of view. Um, so yeah, you know, Lorente has got experience of that. So maybe I do bring Lorente into this game. Um, I'm not sure, as much as I do like Tyler, I'm not sure after the last couple of games I can risk starting him. Uh, but I don't know. It, it's one of them, mate. I can't see that, that many changes from the Sheffield United game. I can only go with what I would go with. Um, and I would yeah. agree with you about um, possibly going with that double pivot. Um, or even going with an extra centre-back in the team. Yeah, but look, no matter what we do, we're going to need an element of luck to win the game. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I completely agree. In terms of team selection, I think he might just go uh, straight swap between Harrison and Alioski. Uh, it's a real big shame for Harrison the form he's on that he can't play, but obviously that's the, that is the, the way that these loans work. But yeah, I think he might go Alioski just for pace and energy on the counter-attack and to help kind of follow Carl Walker back um, and I think he'll start Rodrigo like you said over Tyler in, in that 10 um, that's what I think that he will do I'm not sure if that's necessarily what I would do but I think that's what Marcelo will do uh, and look with Alioski and Rodrigo in the team instead of Tyler and Harrison you're, you're losing a bit of quality there on the left side obviously but I think energy wise pressing and counter-attack in terms of how often we're going to need to counter-attack I think they just add a lot of energy to the side. And we know Alioski's got an eye for goal as well. He always seems to score in the most random of games. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think Marcelo, Marcelo will do. But we'll have to wait and see. Do you think that um, he could kind of play Rodrigo slightly higher than, than a true 10? Uh, we saw in the average positions in the second half that Rodrigo was a lot closer to Bamford than Tyler was. Do you think that could happen? Or do you think we'll, we'll need Rodrigo to drop in if he does play that role? I think the big... Rodrigo, it'll have to be adaptable to the game. You know, I think when you do get those chances to get in that Man City back four, Rodrigo's got to take them. He's got to take the risk and leave his position and go as playing as a second striker. You know, when we're in transition, he's got to go and push up with Bamford. Um, but when we lose the ball, total opposite. He's got to be disciplined. <laughs> got to be very disciplined and drop back and make sure he's nice and close to click and we're compact. You know, we're making it difficult. And seeking to play through and build up play. You know, as long as we make it as difficult as possible, I'll be happy. Because look, when you play Man City, if we are to lose the game or drop points, you want it to be from a moment of quality, not from us making a dash mistake or giving away a penalty or not applying ourselves in the game. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that will happen. I think if Man City are to win, it will need to be a moment of quality from Mares or Sterling. Let's not forget they are capable of it. But if we're going to lose the game. As long as it's from that, I can kind of get over it. But if we make a silly mistake or don't manage the game right, that will, that will be a bit more frustrating. But look, anything can happen against Manchester, you know. They, they, they've lost 10 times in the last 36 games. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. To be fair, I know it will be at a different level, but there's certain times where you say, OK, maybe Man City's mentality, you've got to question it. When you're losing that many times, it can't just be down to bad luck or bad finishing. There's got to be something more closer than that. And maybe against the Bielsa team with that kind of intensity, a team that's not going to allow them to just... Look, we will try and win the possession battle. You know, I don't think we will. I think, obviously, Manchester will have a lot more of the ball. But I don't think we'll have 70% of the ball like against Leicester or Wolves. I think we will look to get the ball a lot more than those teams did. I don't think we'll drop back as much. Whether that's going to cost us or not, I don't know. 
Um, because it can, you know, I think Man City do like that sometimes. I think sometimes Man City, you almost out pass themselves sometimes, you just pass the ball just too much. You just kind of you almost get bored to an extent, you know, when you're trying to find a way, you know, try and play patiently and trying to find a way and break down a low block. But I think I don't think they'll have come across many teams like us, you know, in terms of their first season back in the Prem. I, I can't see Yeah, them. the way we press, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, the difference. I think only really brighter. Um, and maybe, um, yeah, I'd say maybe Brighton or Everton, you know, kind of a, of the lesser teams outside the top top six would play the way we do against Man City. So it's hard to tell, isn't it? It's, it is hard to tell exactly what kind of game we're going to get. But for me, Bielsa will give us the best possible chance. He will give us the best possible chance. And if Alioski plays, there will be a massive upside to that in terms of defensive coverage, in terms of defensive mm-hmm. threat. The fact that Alioski is a very good finisher for me, you know, we can question is what one-on-one dribbling and the general passing in that lot, but he can finish. He can finish, you know, when, when he needs that chance to be taken. If you can find that space in behind Kyle Walker, he will do it, and you know he'll make the run. Um, and yeah, so it could be a potential match-winning or game-defining battle, that, to be fair. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's normally space behind both their full-backs, um, especially if they don't play the double pivot. If they play the double pivot, they've got more coverage. But if they go with the single pivot that Pep's known for before this year, I think our wingers, whoever they both be, especially if it's Alioski, could, could find some space. But uh, another little note for any Leeds fans that kind of didn't watch much Premier League football, Man City create a lot of chances from set-pieces. Uh, I know we've got Robin Cock now, so obviously we're, we're hoping to be better from set-pieces, but the way that Kevin De Bruyne puts a cross in from, from any dead ball, uh, that is something that we need to be careful about. And I think um, Melier needs to really command his box because how many times have we seen those those low driving corners for Man City find someone or, you know, De Bruyne's got a free kick from a from a weird angle and he can pop it right in the penalty spot. I think that's a, a little area we need to be careful of. We don't want to get beat with a set piece. No, that's definitely fair. And I think obviously if Lepore plays and Diaz maybe plays, I think they're too yeah. I think Lepore especially is a huge threat on kind of getting on the end of set pieces. I think, you know, you've got to be aware of that. Um, I think Ake even scored from a set piece, didn't he, against Leicester? Um, yeah, he did. And Fernandinho missed two sitters as well from six yards yeah. from, from De Bruyne with a free kick. And it's all De Bruyne, isn't it? You know, I think obviously we had a similar issue against Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold on set pieces against Liverpool. And let's be honest, if we're being totally honest, we failed miserably. <laughs> that kind of yeah, we did, yeah. We did miserably on the day. Um, you know, Liverpool should should have scored more than one um, in terms of Van Dijk and that. Like, he did have a lot of chances in terms of getting in ahead of Cock um, and Meslier. Uh, but look, Meslier for me is a fan, is an outstanding goalkeeper. Um, you know, I don't think he'll feel the pressure. I think he'll, I think he'll be willing to come off his line and command. You know, I can't yeah, see him. Um, you know, I think he's shown he won't get bullied. He won't get bullied to stay on this line. You know, I think he will look to come for the ball, whether he's going to punch it or catch it, he will look to come for it. Um, yeah, I'd agree. You know, it is a threat. You know, I think no matter how well you defend a free kick, if the Bruyne puts one in the way he can put one in, an undefended set piece, it can be an own goal as well as a Man City goal. You know, it's it's very yeah. hard to defend sometimes. You know, it doesn't matter how well you defend. If it's if the ball's coming in at a certain angle, certain pace and whip on the ball, it's hard, so hard to defend. If it gets between the goalkeeper and the back four, you know, Delivery. There's not much you can do. There's not much you can do. You know, you've got to hope they miss the chance or they don't get on the end of it. That's it's as simple as that. You know, we've seen so many teams. You know, you think Leicester 
Peter's, Evans, Ndidi, and Martin's, um, you know, heighten that team. The height of that team is ridiculous. You know, and the fact that Man City created so many chances against them suggests that it's not just a case of it's not all about what we do, it's about them as well. You know, they, they can't just put in an undefendable delivery. And they've certainly got the poor in the team as well, so they didn't have on Sunday. They've got even more threat. They have the Diaz in the team, they've got even more threat. So, yeah, it's something definitely to be aware of. Um, you know, it's something you don't want to lose the game. You don't want to lose the game with that piece. I think you really don't. You don't. It's just not the way. Yeah, you game if you have to. Yeah, I think that we saw on Sunday that um, Cock and Cooper, obviously, the partnership's growing as well. So you just hope that, that that'll be a little bit of a difference from Anfield, having those two play together this time. And obviously, they played together for a couple of games now that they might command their box a bit better. But. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm looking forward to it anyway. I think it's going to, like we said earlier, it's going to be a, a well-watched game. Uh, are you guys doing a watch-along for it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll definitely be doing a watch-along, mate. Um, yeah, but uh, hopefully <laughs> it won't be as stressful as the last game at Eleanor. <laughs> so me and Joe very nearly ended up with um, the biggest egg we've ever seen on our faces because we said 4-1. With an hour to go, with half an hour to go, we said, uh, I said to Joe, Blimey, mate, we could win this by six. And yeah, <laughs> score it. We, we got, to put it this way, that was a very, very lucky lesson for me and Joe, that we kind of thought, okay, yeah, maybe, we, maybe we've got respect with equal in kind of thing. But it did feel like we we're going to win by six at that point. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully it's a bit less stressful. But I won't bank on it against Man City. Yeah, I could, I could see a similar number of goals uh, regardless yeah. of the score. But um, well, yeah, speaking of... Yeah, no doubt about that. It's, it's going to be... You know, I think yeah, both, been... well, three times I think Bielsa and Pepper played each other, and I think it's produced more than four goals each one. As far as I can remember, um, I might not have the exact right stats right there, but there's, there's always goals in that game. There's always intentional yeah, goals, mistakes in both teams. I've seen highlights of a 4 2 when he lost. He lost to Barcelona uh, and lost, uh, and they drew 3 3 once in the cup. So I've only seen those two, but yeah, like I said, they're over five goals each. So, <laughs> um, in terms of a result uh, prediction, um, I always ask everyone to give one. So, what are your thoughts on a on a final result? Maybe a head and heart prediction, because I know this is going to be a tough game. Yeah, look, it is hard. It is hard to guess, but if we're using the heart first of all, <laughs> I look at it and say, I have a feeling we can score more two or more goals in this game. You know, Costa is up against Mendy. I think 1v1, he's got the beating of him. Alioski can get in behind Walker, presuming it is Alioski he goes with. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I don't know, maybe 2-2, two, two, something like that, 3-3, three, 2-2, three, two, two, if I'm using my yeah. head. Um, in your heart. Sorry, my <laughs> heart. In your head, sorry. my heart, I say 2-2, two, 3-3, two, three, three, something like that. If I'm using my head, it's, it's a lot, it's the same. Again, to be honest, Man City, it's not the Man City of even a year ago or two years ago where you faced them and you thought, we could genuinely lose this 8-0. You know, Man City <laughs> look like conceding every single game they play. You know, they, look, they, yeah. they, they will concede chances. So, even if I'm using my head, I still think we'll score in the game. I still think we'll put them on the back foot from time to time. Um, I'll go 2-2 with my head as well, you know. I'll go 2-2 with my head as well. Um, yeah. It could so easily be 3-2, 4-2. It's the Bruyne is is particularly on it, um, you know, and I think that could be a defining battle: De Bruyne versus Phillips, Morris, Dallas, and Sterling versus Ailey. 
yeah. those are the battles we've got to win. But to be fair against Liverpool, we won those battles. I think we will defend the set pieces better. So I'll go 2-2. You know what? I'll be positive and say 2-2. The fact is, we almost got a result at Anfield. And for me, Liverpool are a far, far better team than Man City. Um, but we will need to put in a similar level of performance ourselves. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll at least have to match the intensity levels and performance levels of that Sheffield United game, if not better it. Um, and certainly, obviously, from that Liverpool game. But the fact is, you know, we went to Lanfield, we almost got something. And for me, Liverpool are the best team in the country. And arguably, you know, with how Bayern are struggling at the moment, you could say they're even the best team in the world right now. Um, or certainly the second best team in the world, uh, whatever way you look at it. So the fact mm-hmm. is, we went there and almost got a result. There's no reason why we can't get a result against Man City, especially if we're vulnerable and as low on kind of like morale and confidence. Because look, if they lose tonight, mate, if they lose tonight, all of a sudden, you know, there's massive pressure on them. There is genuinely yeah. because you're saying, okay, they've just spent 68 million on a new centre back. They spent 40 million on another centre back. Yeah, they've already got a world-class team, world-class manager, then all of a sudden they're out of another competition, then kind of the Premier League is kind of like almost suddenly in doubt because there's six points behind Liverpool, and then it all of a sudden, all of a sudden it becomes all on the Champions League again. So, you know, there's pressure, there is serious pressure, you know, going into this game for Man City, and for us, there's not, you know, because we've already got six points from the first three. Yes. We only get six points from the first four. That's still, that's still far exceeding exceeds my expectations with them in those first four games and being totally honest. I, I thought a win and a draw from Fulham and Sheffield United and two valiant defeats against Liverpool and Man City would be a good start. Yeah. Uh, no matter what, we've exceeded expectation on that. And um, and yeah, so we've got to go into that game with massive confidence, mate. Yeah, in terms of my score, I was thinking 2-2 as a positive result as well. But to be different, I'm going to say if we score first, we're going to win 3-2. And if we concede first, we're going to lose 3-2. So, I'm uh, kind of sitting on the fence a little bit there, but uh, either way, I think you're right. I think I think we'll score two or more goals. I think if anyone wants a bet this weekend, Leeds to score two plus goals would be a good one. I think. Yeah, I think no, they're no. there to be got at. Even with even with Diaz, he's never played in England before, and this is obviously an away game against Elm Road with one of the best pressing teams in the league. Uh, and I think even that, how good he is, it's your first game in England, new club, new players beside you, new fullbacks who really struggle defensively. Uh, I think even with Diaz, we could get at them and score two goals. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think a good bet would be Costa to score. You know, I think Costa against Mendy is a potential mm. mix, you know. I think in terms of 1v1s, you know, I, look, Mendy's good, great going forward and great technically, but for me, he's still not a particularly strong defender. Um, but I think a lot depends on Man City's result tonight, uh, the team they go with, and the general feeling, because it's very different. If Man City win the, their game comfortably tonight, all of a sudden, everything looks great again. It's, it's just the nature of football. You know, they've got world-class centre-back coming into the club, or potential world-class centre-back coming into the club. The poor back as well. And all of a sudden, they've got a team from tonight that's won well. And then, But on the totally other side of the fence, you just say, we go into the game with no confidence if we lose. So I think it does play a massive part, you know. It's, um, I think at this stage of the season for Man City, a lot of it's going to be confidence, you know, because they, they showed zero confidence against Leicester. You know, the fact is, a Man City team of old, a Man City team at the start of the Pep era, at 1-1 in that game, they destroyed Leicester. They destroyed Leicester at that point. They certainly don't go 2-1 down and then 3-1 down and completely fall to pieces and give away three penalties. I just don't think this Man City team, at the, look, the football they play is still absolutely unbelievable to watch. But I think as a whole package, 
they're not the team they were last year for me or two years ago you know when they were the Centurions. I just don't think they're at that level at the minute. I think they massively missed David Silva. They massively missed David Silva. Obviously, Vincent Company they might have replaced now. Um, you look at a lot of the players, like Cal Walker for me is a 41. So it's a, you look at a lot, Fernandinho isn't a 41 was. You know, Rodri yeah. is no Fernandinho at the moment. So you look at that a lot, that team. And obviously, Aguero, Jesus potentially out. You know, when you've not got any out and out centre forwards, even to bring on, it could massively affect them. So don't bet against us getting a result there, mate. No, definitely. No centre forward as well can help us build from the back in terms of pressing. But last note from me as well, they're not very good at... Uh, they may be very good at scoring from set pieces, but they're not very good at defending from set pieces. Uh, and we've seen how many rash tackles they made against Leicester for the penalties. So I think any cross into the box with the way that um, Paddy Bamford's playing, and if I'm honest, the way that Robin Cock looks dangerous from every single set piece we've got now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we cause them issues as well from that way. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm definitely excited for the game. Um, but yeah, I think that, that's a good place for us to end it, mate. Um, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a good one. Uh, and then do you want to tell everyone um, when your your preview stuff's going to come out and the plans for the weekend? No problem at all, mate. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure coming on to the podcast. Um, our previews will probably be coming out on Thursday morning, possibly after this goes out. Um, Thursday morning, cool. Thursday afternoon, me and Joe will be putting up a preview each. Um we, were, we are trying to interview a Man City fan as well. Um, and obviously, on Friday, we'll be doing a show called Before the Whistle Blows, previewing the Premier League action, um, as well as cool. doing a last little talk on Man, the Man City game. And then on the day of the game, we'll be doing a watch-along. We'll probably go live about five o'clock, about half an hour before the game. You know, obviously, reaction to the team lineup, um, And yeah, just the team in general. And um, yeah, we'll probably look to do that. Um, and then obviously... Cool. After the game, match review, player rating, hopefully, it'll be a happy match review. Um, uh, that's the plan. Yeah, hopefully, anyway. Yeah, and that's um, over on their YouTube, guys. That's All Leeds TV YouTube. Go over and follow them and watch all their content. Uh, and then in terms of this podcast, um, I'll obviously have a preview for the Wolves game uh, next week. The games don't get any easier. And me and Matt on Monday or Tuesday will be doing our uh, Premier League review for match days three and four. So check that one out. So, Cheers again, Oscar, and I'll speak to everyone next week.